if you don't continue to give people an opportunity to buy or ascend, they will find that from someplace else. The two reasons why people stop buying from you is you offend them or you stop selling to them. And most businesses suffer from the latter. They don't offend their customers. They just stop selling to them. Welcome to Marketing with Matt. If you're an entrepreneur or business owner looking to create more margin in your life and business, you're in the right place. For more after the show, be sure to check out ProfitMoreWorkLess.com. It's everybody's favorite time of the week. We're here with Matt Decino on Reading Rape. No, we're here with Mark with Matt Decino for Marketing with Matt. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so good. That's you know, that's the sentiment is there's no sleepy marketing. This is always like loud and smashing in your face, but maybe there could be sleepy marketing. Um, I don't know how attractive attractive it would be. We'll start a marketing ASMR. Yeah, channel. that's who's in favor of that. <laughs> Okay, we're talking, this is the part two of my decade in a day. And uh, part one, we were talking how I thought about the questions I was going to ask. Now we're going to fully unbox it. What were the questions that I asked? What were the answers that I got? And how does it apply to you and anybody listening And when it comes to uh, marketing? And so the question that I asked, uh, I had a couple, you know, we, I had lots of questions I could go, but so um, specifically around marketing in an early moment. So we have one of our products is um, just right time, right place, and has, you call it early mover advantage. And so there are things where like on day one, there was maybe nobody else doing what we, what we were doing. However, the, the market was attractive enough that we quickly had fast followers. We had imitations. It's funny. It, well, so for perspective, we'll get into it. But in the moment, so this is what was happening. Not actually when I was talking with Russell, but earlier this year. It was like, we had it, it was great, and uh, it wasn't bad, but there was just like a lot of alternatives and, and copycats popping up all over the place. And so I, I wanted to ask about that is, what do you do when you got first move advantage? How do you think of it in that place? And then like, what do you do when competitors come in or alternatives come in? And how do you kind of respond to that? Because I know they've lived through that and, and grown through it. And maybe I'll just go question and answer at a time. So here was yeah. uh, his response, and I've already seen this validated, is when it comes to effective marketing, endurance is undervalued, but an incredible asset to have. And so the, the, the ability to persist in a single area, to continue to, to perfect, to get better, to improve, uh, is, is a unspoken advantage in anything that you do. Is there are so many things that are just like you consistent. So I've talked about this before, but this, it was a revelation or just a reminder. And we've seen that to be true. A lot of alternatives that pop up, popular sprung up, were kind of like riding a trend have dissolved and gone away. They've just literally right. faded into the background. And I don't know if, you know, they, they couldn't stay ahead in terms of product development or continue to pursue excellence or, or get beyond just grabbing a quick buck. And so that was a good right. reminder, refresh there. It went beyond that. And this is, I think, helpful for anybody. So think about your product market fit or your fit in the marketplace. Think about it in levels. And so this is the concept of the value ladder. It's so foundational, but it's easy to like fall out of it. And so if you think if I drew a, a ladder or not a ladder, a staircase, it should be called the value staircase. Um, if I drew a staircase, as it's often illustrated, and you've got the bottom, the first step of the staircase, uh, this could be free or low price, or how do people engage, like start the engagement with your business. And then there's a little higher tier, higher price, you know, higher connection, whatever it is. And then there's the highest tier of the step. And this is often considered your, your value ladder or actually popularized the value staircase. And so on this value staircase, um, it is a more robust thing to have. A lot of folks when they're starting off or when you have a, a product or a division or something like you have one thing, 
if I was thinking about this and, and you know, I was talking to somebody and they're like, well, I own a gym. I don't have a value staircase. I have one value box and you can jump on top of it. You can jump off of it, right? They just have the box jump. Um, and it is more robust to think, what would it look like to have additional steps? What does it look like to have the possibility to downgrade or to start at a lower level? And what does it look like to, to upgrade or have a higher level? So that, that practice of building out your value stack or your, your value staircase is helpful. And that was one, a, a little piece of the advice there is looking at like, sure, you've got one thing, people come in and that's robust. As you expand, as you grow, as you mature, you're going to want to introduce things that end up a little bit more on the front end of, of how do you continue to widen that net and attract people in? And then some folks and, and the ability to ascend folks that are going to want a higher tier option or, or higher tier program, or just a, they just want to graduate. They want to grow with the company. That's a, a good reminder right. there is, is if you don't continue to give people an opportunity to buy or ascend, they will find that from someplace else. And, uh, the only, this was a, I think this is a Russellism that I'd taken, not from this decade and day, but previously was the only, the two reasons why people stop buying from you is you offend them or you stop selling to them. And most businesses suffer from the latter. They don't offend their customers. They just yeah. stop selling to them. And so the customers are forced to go somewhere else for that next level or whatever it might be. And so that was, um, one piece that was helpful in starting to flesh out, okay, what would it look like to uh, make our value staircase, that value stack a little bit more robust um, with some lower end or some higher end. And that's usually you think about it. So usually your core offer is somewhere there in the middle. Um, but maybe you realize, okay, that should actually be the first and we can grow up from there, however kind of mixes out to be. So that was one thing was the question about what do you do with competitors? And so the two pieces were, we'll expand your value stack as the, as the market matures and endure stay consistent at your thing. And so it's interesting because uh, for his company, there'll be 10 years, I don't know if it's over 10 years, they're, they're coming up on in next year, not next year, the year after next, they're doing their 10th annual event. So I don't know if that means they're 10 years old, but sure. they've been doing it for at least a decade. And yeah. in a decade, right. they came out and created their own language and, and dominated that space. And there was a season where it felt like they were undeniably the, the king oh, yeah. in that space. And I've seen them grow through that and actually mature to a point where it doesn't feel like in my outside observation, it feels like there's so many other alternatives that it doesn't feel like it's a, uh, is that when you have a king, is that a theocracy? No, that's a, like a religious leader. Oh, no, you're right. That's that theocracy is led by like, yeah, it's like the Pope. What, what, yeah. what, what, why yeah. am I thinking? What's royalty? What's that? A monarchy. monarchy. That's what I was thinking. It feels yeah. like it's grown beyond a monarchy and into something of more like there's, you know, a more many leaders. So there isn't, it isn't a single yeah. king and a monarchy. It's like it's matured past that, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean he can't grow and continue to have an impact and continue to generate a lot of income. And so, um, watching them mature into a space, um, where they can still sustain growth and, um, have that. I just, I listened to those words and, um, consider yeah. that. And it's funny too, from the outside, because some versions of a customer will think like, and even for ourselves, we get bored of our own message. The marketplace, there's still folks out there that don't know you exist. I saw a picture from this year's Funnel Hacking Live. Russell still had the potato gun story on the, on the wall. Like for a percentage of the people in that room, it was still the first time they'd heard it. Yeah. You know? And that's, that's a discipline in your marketing is to not evolve beyond speaking to new customers. And I want to like <laughs> break away a little bit. It's funny. We mentioned the, um, 
I went to theocracy, but from a religious perspective, this is funny because this is, it was a mark of, uh, I've seen like good, good churches or good religious gatherings is they use a language which assumes there's somebody new. And collectively, everybody starts thinking there should be someone new. So what it's like a self-fulfilling process there. And the same thing can be for your customers. If you use a language of like, there should be new customers, customers aren't offended by that. Like to your example, that, that is a right. story. He told a story that was designed for someone who's brand new. The rest of the room is not offended that there's new people there. It's actually encouraging that you're part of something that's growing, that yep. there are new people around, even if you've heard yeah. it three or four or 10 times. And so, um, so that was, the, those are kind of like, uh, the first piece was around how do, how do we respond in a space where it feels like there's competitors, where it feels like there's fast followers and the, my two takeaways were endure and then create, look at making our value stack or our value value staircase a little bit more robust. The second piece was in a um, in a growth in that season. I think it's so obvious, but sometimes outside's in. It's like, what, what happens when you've got a core offer that works, but you want to bring more folks in? This was so obvious. I still, it was good to talk about uh, education. So if we think about this is there are, there are degrees of folks who are interested, um, curious, and then ignorant. They don't, they don't even know you exist. And we had had success selling to um, curious and interested. That was mo- most of it. it was a slam dunk. Like they were already looking for this and they were like, oh, this, this plugs in very easily. So we didn't have to, I don't want to say dumb down, but we didn't have to think of a communication style, a language that assumes you're earlier than our ideal customer. Um, think of the 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 prospect journey, not just like the customer journey, because that's what we think a lot of is like, oh, they're, the prospect journey is like you're curious and then we wow you and then you become a customer and then we surprise and delight you. But there's before that the prospect journey of your your you may be problem ignorant. You may not even know that there's a problem. You're not problem aware. And so right. we talked about um, methods for how you can do that. A lot of it education works really well. And so there are educational angles um, from problem and opportunity that we can put at the front end of your marketing that actually creates a better stream of curious and interested parties. So just thinking through of in that segment of like, okay, what are activities that we can do that help to get more curious and interested, not just uh, turning curious or interested into buyers. And so once again, sort of like expanding out that pool, this is kind of part of that more robust value stack uh, or the value staircase, however you conceptualize it. But the, um, yeah. um, so we've, already in the last month. And I think there was a, a piece of this too. When you do that, when you expand it out, the math becomes even easier in terms of the opportunity. So let's mm-hmm. say for us, we are really good at the nurture process. I know if you're, if you are on our list, we will nurture you and we will probably, you will probably be confronted with a no brainer offer and feel like compelled to buy. We're good at that process. So what we needed to get better at is getting more people on the list and building the list isn't the same thing as building a buyer. You think of it almost like independently, like how can I efficiently build the list? Because I trust it might be 30 days later, but we've got a process here where we will be able to cash flow that list. And so, um, there were, you know, I, I came back from this and, uh, a couple of things was like, okay, we need to expand upon, um, some of the processes for front end opportunities. And then it was like, we needed to go hard at building that list, and we've 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 seen that we had a we had a record month yeah. uh, for that for that division of of just thinking through um, that like these two takeaways. And I think I have to look back. No, there was yeah, there was one specific offer we changed a little bit higher ticket. Um, so it was like let's expand upon what's possible for folks to buy. So a little bit of an upsell, 
didn't previously exist, and uh, and then definitely a lot more effort on the front end of how do we how yeah. do we help folks that are they're not curious or interested. They're uh, they're not even probably problem aware. How do we attract them into our ecosystem and then predictably ascend them? So. Yeah, and it was cool to see. I mean, it, it's not common that you forex ad spend and, and stay keep keep results moving in the right direction. It was really neat. I it's funny. I talked with a, I had a client a long time ago that was like, Facebook ads don't work. I get all of my sales from my email list, and I was like, Hey, so what if we ran Facebook ads to get people onto your email list? And he was like, What? Like, like and I'm like, Yeah, like you. The problem with Facebook ads is so many times people just want to sell to a stranger the first time they ever talk to them. And uh, what you just said is like understanding that there's a life cycle there means you can put the energy at the right point at the right time. 100%. So if you're looking for a way to make your marketing more profitable or you're wondering how could I expand what I'm currently doing, take a good hard look at your value stack, that staircase of opportunity. Are there things you can put in on the entry level or things on a higher tier? And then kind of run by the numbers. And that was like, to your point for us, yeah. we were like, <laughs> 4X ad spend, maintain profitability. It was because we took a little bit more robust um, analysis there. It's interesting. We could probably do another episode just looking back at this. We're tracking value per, per lead as the month went on. So for, for us, you know, knowing here's the value per lead seven days after they've been with us, 14 days. With, I mean, we literally did it day by day looking at value per lead as we were running this. And unsurprisingly, maybe it's surprising, unsurprising, our value per lead tripled over the course of a month. So on day one, you come in, you're worth X dollars to us on average across all the leads that we're doing. And then by day 30, we're three X. That's super helpful. And it was was only possible because we thought of it in terms of how do we expand our, our offering to have a little bit more entry level, even free options. And, and then, uh, some other ascension options and having that, that patience to endure though matters too, because there's a lot of people that if in the first week they've scaled up, they don't see the result, they kill everything where I'm like, you, you've got to allow that machine to work. And, uh, and so, yeah, having that, it, like both of those bullet points of, of that you're shared definitely apply together. I'll leave this. This was not the, um, the purpose of this show, but I want to give you this golden nugget for anybody who stayed around to the end. I realized that one of the other things that helped in this last month of, of just something like customer satisfaction, we reserve bonuses consistently. We will think of our offer stack, what are we doing? And we will not advertise XYZ feature set, whatever it is, so that when they come in, you can then predictably deliver the bonus. So sometimes we'll we'll delay it out to deliver later. It's like we are holding on to this and we're saying like, oh, here you go. Thanks, congrats in. Uh, but we had a number of situations. I love the experience where people come in and be like, hey, I was wanting to do this. And somebody else would be like, oh, here's how you do it. It already exists. And that surprise and delight is, is just hard to quantify how impactful it can be for your business when you're training your customers to expect a magical experience. Like I look at, we live close to Disneyland and I, the experience is so cool on so many levels. And it's that kind of a thing. Uh, obviously it's built in this concept of being magical and childlike wonder, but the more that businesses can introduce that kind of experience and replicate it, the more your other marketing efforts become easier. And that's, that's an X factor for us is, you know, for someone else trying to do it, like, was it just, oh, we looked at the stack, added a few things in and 4X our ad spend. I think the other factor here is we 
predictably delighted our customers coming in. And so in a, in a short period there, um, they were more willing to speak positively about the brand, like all of those things. Like if you don't have positive brand speak and positive word of mouth in the marketplace, it doesn't matter how aggressively you market, it's going to be a struggle. And uh, the inverse, if you have that, it kind of makes everything else easier. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, well, we've got more uh, more coming to you guys in the next couple of weeks. So make sure you share this with a entrepreneur, a SaaSpreneur, somebody else who is interested in growing and having more margin in their life and business. Thanks for tuning in for this week's Marketing with Matt. Check out ProfitMoreWorkLess.com to learn how we create high margin marketing. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the podcast, feel free to make a recommendation. I'm sure they'll thank you for it. Okay, bye for now. Thank you.